on their hooks and caught at their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Will you let them get away with this forever? So we, uh, we kicked off a series last week. Pastor Matt uh, kicked off this series uh, that's kind of kicking off our theme for the summer. And if you haven't been around for a little bit or, or it's just it's busy weeks and we forget things. But for the entire summer, what we're doing is we are uh, dedicating and devoting our time on Sunday mornings to looking at specific books of the Bible. We're calling it Summer in Scripture. Super creative, I know. And... Um, and so we uh, kicked off last week uh, a series called Honest to God in the Book of Habakkuk. And, uh, and really kind of, uh, this was kind of inspired. I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a music listener uh, than I am a radio listener. And every once in a while, um, I should know better than this, but just every once in a while, I'll listen to talk radio. And if you want to really, like, boost your day... And, like, boost your, like, outlook on life. Like, you should listen to talk radio. Because, man, it'll do nothing but encourage you and inspire you. And, and so every once in a while, just to see what the tone of the world is like, I'll, I'll tune into talk radio. And, and I'm listening to this topic, and they're, they're discussing it. And he goes, well, we've got a, a caller, and, and they're going to share their opinion. And the, the, the host goes, caller, you're on the air. And the caller starts the conversation just with this. Ah! He goes, I'm so frustrated. And I was like, man, how many times have I been there? And I began to think about these times that I've been frustrated with life. I've been frustrated with culture. I've been frustrated with politics. I've been frustrated with education because that's my world now. I've been frustrated with the church. I've been frustrated with Christianity. I've been frustrated with all of these things. And I had this moment where I'm like, but I shouldn't be frustrated because I'm a Christian. I, sh- I, I can't be frustrated because the, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And my, 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 uh, my, my fortune cookie Christianity kicks in. It's like when God opens a door, he'll close the window. Because actually a window would actually be closer for me to just leap out of this thing and just end it all. It'll be just done. And then there's moments it's like, and I'm going to step on a few toes when I, by saying this. Hopefully my brother doesn't listen to this. But like, it's, it's one of those moments where it's like I hear it's like, well, the best is yet to come. Really? Really? The best is yet. Now, understandable that, yes, Jesus is coming back, and if we have a relationship with him, man, like, our, our eternity is secure. But, man, life on earth just sucks. Like, it is just long and depressing, and just, and it's moments where, like, I feel like the caller on the show where there's moments I just want to yell. I just want to scream. I just want to, like throw something and then feel guilty for throwing and going picking it up and cleaning because that's my Minnesota way. But we've got this guy Habakkuk. And the whole book of Habakkuk, just to give you a quick recap, is, is Habakkuk is a prophet of God. And, and historically what would happen is we read through the Bible is we see these prophets, they get a message from God, and their job is to bring this message from God to people. And oftentimes it's, 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 it's two messages. It's things are going great, good job, or watch out because God's a coming. And these are the messages, and usually that's kind of the theme of these, these books as we read through the Bible, as you read through these, these books about prophets, that's usually the theme is that God gives them a message, watch out, or things are going great, and they deliver that message to people. But Habakkuk is a prophet of God, but we start in the book by hearing him complain to God about God. You know, and it's like, I don't think you can do that. 
But here's the thing, and I want to put this first slide up. As I was reading through this book and as I was praying for us, as I was praying for me, I was praying for you, here's what I want you to know. God is not upset, surprised, intimidated, overwhelmed, disappointed, or hurt by the fact that you experience frustrations in life and frustrations with him. Next slide real quick. God is okay with you being frustrated. For some of you, that's the freedom you need today. To be frustrated, it is okay. I got my Pentecostal rag because it is warm in here. Um, God is okay with you being frustrated. And God is okay with you being frustrated at him. He's big. He's been around longer than we will. He'll be around a lot longer than you and I. Man, he's okay with us to being frustrated with him. And Habakkuk vents his frustration to God. Pastor Matt used such a better word than venting. He used the word lament. That's a much better academic term. I'm just like, he just vents, man. I mean, he's just like going off. He's going off on God about God. Who does that? Like, if I'm frustrated with Jen, I'm not going to go to Jen to complain about Jen because I'm passive aggressive like that. What am I, I'm going to go to Facebook all right, or was this not a place for truth today? <laughs> I'm going to go to Facebook. I'm going to go to somebody else. I'm going to go to another person and complain about another person and potentially sully the reputation of this other person. But Habakkuk goes to God, and he vents his frustration to God, and and the reason I, I, I kind of bring up this idea that it's okay to be frustrated with God is, 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 is as we look at our, our, our scripture, as we look at our Bible, what, what we see is we don't simply see just a, a, a book of historical books. I view them as books of, that are eternal. And if they're eternal, then they're ever timely. And so if you've ever been frustrated about circumstances, you've ever been frustrated with God, if life has not played out the way that maybe you thought it would, man, we are so glad you're here because I'm going to bum you out this week, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully inspire you next week because we're going to get into um, this, this little, yeah, this, it's like a to be continued. It's a, it's a four-parter. we got to get to the end. The end is the good stuff. Um, but we, we get this, this guy going after not just God, but we see it. Habakkuk going after God's character. We see, uh, we, 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 Habakkuk talks about how God has a tolerance for wrongdoing, like all these things. We, he talks about how God is slow. Has God ever felt slow to you? And Habakkuk's like, you're, what? and he's just like, he's so frustrated. And, and Habakkuk vents, and he asks God a question. And the worst thing sometimes you can do to God is ask him a question, because guess what? He has an answer. Are we ready to receive the answer that God has for us in our, in our predicament? I'm just going to kind of re, reread what, what Pastor Matt read last week. But, but um, as, as, as Habakkuk is venting to God, here's God's answer to Habakkuk's venting and lamenting. Starting in Habakkuk 1 verse 5, it says this. It says, look at the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Like, I know the rest of it's up there. But, man, isn't that like a setup for something awesome? Because, again, if I, if I exist in the realm of fortune cookie Christianity, 
And if I exist in the realm of fortune cookie Jesus, man, that's an awesome setup for something like a Disney World vacation of life. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if I told you you wouldn't believe it. And can you kind of just like, like see us as, as a culture? Just be like, what do you got? What do you got for me, God? What do you got for me? And he says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their Hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. And Habakkuk, you're not gonna, you won't even believe it until you see it. Give it to me, God. And there's a weird difference, and, and, and I, I struggled with this all week. Is God's not saying in his response to Habakkuk, I'm going to be with you through this difficult time. He's not saying, hey, when the difficult times come, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be faithful. God says, I'm actually going to raise up the thing that's about to come and kick your tail. I'm responsible for this. And I have this, like, internal, external, if I'm being honest, battle with God. And my first response is, that's not fair. That's not right, because that goes against everything that I know. Because, God, I know if you close the door, you're going to open that window. And God's like, what if I close the door and the window? God's saying, I'm responsible for the pain you're about to go through. I mean, this is, I mean, this is not a comfortable topic to talk about because, like, I can tell y'all are bummed. Because this is not what you want to hear on Father's Day. This is not what you, you, you don't want to hear about the fact that this God, who we believe is just, who we believe is good, who we believe is merciful, we don't want to know that he's a God that can also allow, and potentially what he's saying, raise up pain in our lives. It's a lot different. Habakkuk is getting a message that, that is timely and eternal that we need to be aware of. And, and the difficult thing that I'm about to say is maybe the deepest pain that you're battling and the situation you're going through that is so painful, that is so um, discouraging, that is so overwhelming at times, and you're looking for God as, as a way out, and God's like, I'm the source of this problem. Because if I'm the source, I'm the resource as well. If I'm the source of your problem, I'm also the resource because I, I have a way out. See, it's typically at this point when we, when, when we live life, it's typically at this point when we go through a difficult season like this that we, we, we do one of two things. We either turn on God or we lean into God. 
We either turn on God or we lean into God. We, we, we function in those two ways. And so, so we, we're dealing with this struggle. We're dealing with this pain. We're dealing with this warning man, that there is some stuff coming and it is not going to be enjoyable. And, and, and we can either lean into God or run from God. But the difficult part that I've been struggling with and continue to struggle with, but I just have to have faith because I have to believe that God is bigger than me. He knows more than me. He sees things differently than me. I have to know that even my worst season is within the parameters of his goodness and his justice. I have to believe and I have to know and I have to have faith to know that my worst season and my worst day somehow still fits in the parameters of God's goodness and his justice. And again, we're at a pivotal point because this is typically where we either, and most of us most likely, if we're being honest, we turn on God. We turn on him, and we bring accusations against him. If you're wondering, man, what's his definition of accusation? Well, my, my, my definition for accusation is this. It's a complaint towards someone that leads you to taking control of the place and the outcome. When we bring accusations towards God, what we're doing is we are removing him from his throne, and we're saying, I can do better at your job than you can. I'm going to bring accusations against you because I don't like what you're doing because it's uncomfortable, because it's inconvenient, because it makes me feel bad and it wrecks my Sunday school view of you. And so if I can keep the illusion that everything's fine, if I can keep the illusion that things are all together Man, God's just opening windows and the best is yet to come, but what if to get to that best you have to go through cancer? What if to get through that best you go through divorce? What if you, to get to that you have to walk through a wayward kid or a wayward parent? What if you have to walk through the worst season of your life? So we bring accusations to God. We complain and that leads us to taking control out of God's hands and placing the outcome in ours. And if I can encourage you, don't do that. Don't do that. If you need to know why, come talk to me after. I'll tell you my story and I'll let you know about a life that's taken into its own hands. And I'll, sh I'll tell you where it led me. I'll tell you where it took me. I'll tell you the outcomes. Don't do that. Don't bring accusations to God. But often what we don't do is what we should do. That's how kind of it works at times. But instead of bringing accusations, man, if we brought questions to God, yeah, this seems unfair, this seems unjust, this seems wrong, God, and, and, and God, I'm confused, but what are, you, what are you doing? Maybe not so much, and, here, and here's the difficult thing. We all want to know what God's doing in the circumstance, and we don't want to know what God's doing in us. I would rather have it be universal than personal because it's, it's big, and I don't want you to, to, to pinpoint, and, and, and what if? Instead of bringing accusations, we began to ask God, God, what are you wanting to do in me? We bring him questions because what Habakkuk's about to do is he's about to get to one of the biggest questions, one of the core questions that mankind has had. And so Habakkuk chapter 1, starting in verse 12 through chapter 2, verse 1, this is what Habakkuk's response is to God's response. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my holy one, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute justice. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? 
You have made people like the fish of the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk responds to God's response, and ultimately his question is a question that maybe you and I have asked. God, if you're good, why is there evil? If God is good, why is there evil? I mean, this is the question that Habakkuk's bringing up because he's wondering, okay, God, I've been told this about you, and maybe from time to time I've experienced these things about you, but, but there's still this issue of evil. There's still this issue of wrong. There's still this issue of brokenness. Why? If you're good, is there bad? God, if you're merciful, why are there kids dying in other countries? If you're good, why are there people starving from famine? If you're good and gracious, why are X, Y, Z? Habakkuk's asking the question that we, if we're honest, have asked numerous times. You want to ask that question, watch the news, listen to talk radio, and it's like, what are you doing? I, I mean, I have these moments where, like, God, I really don't think you know what you're doing right now. Like, I feel like he's taking a break. I feel like in those moments, it's like, he, like, he, like he's going to the bathroom on the most strategic parts of my life, and he's just missing out, and it's like, what the crap, man? <laughs> if, <laughs> if I'm totally honest, there's moments where, like, I signed on to be your guy. I'm the pastor. Like, isn't that like a void? Like, I signed the paper. I got the card, man. Pull back just a little bit. Come on. And I, th I think we face this question in, in, in two ways. One, we lean so deep into reality that we lose the character of God. Or two, we just ignore reality. We just ignore reality. We, we, we turn a blind eye to the things that are going on in this world that are wrong, that are unjust, that, are, that, would, that break the heart. And so we, we forget, we, we ignore the fact that those things are coming because, again, if there's bad, then it breaks my, my fortune cookie idea of Jesus because, again, he, he's all about doors and windows. And I think I know what we have to do oftentimes is something that's very difficult is we have to address reality. We have to address the reality of the situation and not lean so far into it that we lose the character of God. But we have to acknowledge that, man, life is difficult. Life is painful. There is evil that happens, man. There is wrong that happens. Habakkuk lays out these adjectives as he's explaining it. I mean, he uses words like evil. He uses words like wrong. And try doing that today. Try telling someone they're wrong. 
sheesh. I'm t- I tell my seven-year-old she's wrong sometimes, and it's, it's like, and she's seven. I mean, we avoid it. He uses words like traitor. He uses words like treacherous. He uses words like wicked. Habakkuk is laying out the fact that, man, there is wrong going on. And God, if there's wrong going on, where are you? Where are you? You're silent. It feels like you're ignoring this. It feels like you don't want to have anything to do with this. But I think we have to lean into the fact that we have to be aware, we have to address the reality of the situation that, man, this world is broken and it is messed up and it is jacked and it is painful. And that whether we love Jesus or not, we are going to go through difficult seasons. And then Habakkuk talks about, well, if I'm loving you, Jesus, then why am I going through this? Because what it seems to be is that the people who are doing wrong are flourishing. It seems like the people who are wicked, the people who are doing, I mean, how many of us have been passed over for promotions by someone who went about the promotion a dishonorable way? And you're like, I'm freaking following the rules, man. What the crap? What the heck, God? It's frustrating. We have to just admit that we live in a broken reality, but then the second thing that we need to do is we need to lean into the character of God. Man, yes, the world is broken. Yes, the world is hurting. Yes, there is evil. Yes, there are traitors. Yes, there is wickedness. But the gravitational pull of our lives will, will be drawn in towards two things. It'll be either drawn into our experience or it'll be drawn into God's character. So the gravitational pull of our lives, we will rotate around the sun of our experience or we will rotate around the sun of God's character. And if our lives rotate around the sun of our experience, then God will be dictated based on our experience. He will be dictated based on our emotions. He will be dictated based on our feelings. He will be based off of our gut. And let me tell you about your gut. Your gut has crap for brains. But when our lives rotate around the sun of God's character, God begins to define and dictate our experiences. It's not fun, but as we lean into the character of God, what God does is this this intimacy that God desires from us, it'll build faith and hope during life circumstances. And so Habakkuk, even, even in his complaint to God about God, about the circumstance, about the fact that the Babylonians are coming, he's he's saying, But God, yet you're eternal. You're everlasting. You existed before, you exist in the midst of, and you will exist after. You're sovereign. You are Lord, God. You are, you are the highest authority. You are sovereign. You are personable. Habakkuk uses the phrase, my God, not a God, but my God, that God is personal. He, uses, he, he describes God as holy, defining him as the holy one, and he talks about that God's eyes are too pure to look on evil. He can't tolerate wrong. Man, that, that God is, in spite of my circumstance, in spite of my situation, because my life is rotating around the sun of God's character. You are still holy. You are still foreknowing. He uses phrases like, you have appointed, which means God is in control. He uses words like judge, because man, God is a God of judgment. Let me tell you, that will not sell books, and that will not 
back out arenas, but that God is a God of judgment. But how many of you know that when you are dealing with injustice, you are holding on to the fact that God is a God of judgment? We're going to get into it next week, but just, uh, just to give you a quick foreshadowing, because I am just bumming you out on Father's Day. Here's the deal. Here's, here's the overarching idea of God's, uh, of God's response next week. Here's the deal. Those people who are doing unjust things, I'm in charge of that outcome too. And then Habakkuk uses words like, he defines God as creator. He says, man, you've made men. And if God, if, if God is the creator, nothing is ever created with ill intent or, or, or without a plan. Is life difficult? Yeah, it's hard, but we trust the creator. We have faith in the creator. Man, it's, it's hard to relinquish control over circumstances and situations to God because I think we know about God without knowing God, and God wants to be known. The reason I trust my dad as much as I do is because I know my dad, and my dad knows me. And so in moments when I am stuck in a place of just bewilderment or confusion or unknowing, man, there are, I go to God, but man, I will always go to my dad and I'll ask his opinion because I trust him. Because he, I have seen through his life that he has good plans for me. That in, 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 as part of my creation, I was not created on accident, but I was created with intent because God breathed life into me and he breathed purpose into me. And, and as I was given to my parents, my dad raised me to know and love Jesus. I know he has my best interest at heart. So because he, in a sense, is my creator, he has good plans for me. So I trust the creator. And so we have to address reality. We have to, we have to lean into the character of God when things are going bad. And then, and then the last little idea that I want to share with is that we, I think we need, to just, we need to do a better job of meeting with God. Because the truth is, man, there are circumstances that are going to come into your life where no, no amount of earthly advice is going to give you the insight you need to, to deal with it. Man, if, you're ever, if you've ever dealt with the death of a loved one, if you've ever dealt with an, un, an unbeknownst and surprising medical uh, um, word, situation, situation <laughs> diagnosis, man, if you've ever dealt with this idea of I had a job yesterday and now I don't, there is no amount of earthly advice that can solve those problems. There is no amount of earthly insight that can get you to the place that you need to go. But God's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here and I want to meet with you. I want to know you. I want to be involved in the processes. And here's the thing, man, that I am learning. I haven't learned it quite yet, but I am learning it. Is that, man, when I need a word from God, I need to go to God. I need to open up his word because if I need a word, he's got it for me. And, and most of the time, the best ones come out of a great relationship. And God's saying, I want to know you. I, I already know you, but I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. 
Sometimes, sometimes we don't even need answers, but we just need the relationship. We just need the relationship. We just need to know that God is like, and, and oftentimes that's going to come and we're going to do something that's very unnatural. We are going to schedule and make time to get away with God. We're going to leave the laundry. We're going to leave the emails. We're going to leave the lawn unmowed. Don't tell my wife I said that. We're going to leave the things undone. We're going to leave the dishes dirty. We're, we're going we're gonna, to, we're going to, remove something so that we can replace it with this intentional time with God. That's what Habakkuk does in chapter two, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Is he, is he declares, he goes, man, I'm going to stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Habakkuk is saying, I'm going to remove myself from normal, and I'm going to put myself in a place that I haven't been before. I'm going to shut my phone off. <gasps> I'm going to log out of Facebook. Shut up. I'm going to forget my phone at home. I'm going to get to a place that's unfamiliar because I'll fall into familiar habits when I'm in familiar, but I'm going to go to a place that's desolate, that's unknown. I'm going to station myself out on the ramparts, and then I love this. He says, I am going to look and see what he says to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk saying, sometimes, sometimes the best thing that you and I can do is just get away. I'm not saying like all the time, every time, but like, man, there are, and I am so bad at this. I am so bad at this. Because I still think in my brain that I'm the one in control of all of this. You know what I mean? And, and, and I, I do such a horrible job of, of, of dedicating that time to just simply get away, just to spend time with God, just to spend time in his presence, just to spend time in his word. Because, because here's the deal. It's like the list just it, it keeps getting longer, and the responsibilities keep getting heavier, and the stuff just keeps compiling and compiling. And I know that if I step away, then I'm going to come back, and that list is going to be bigger. And it's, and it, but at what cost? At what cost? See, here, here's the, the difficult reality is God is always there. God's always there. Are you? Um, one of my first missions trips I ever led, and I'm going to wrap this up because it is hot, uh, was to Mexico. I took 172 high schoolers to Mexico, me and another youth pastor. And that was a trip. Anyway, so one of the things that we would do is we would go and, and we, there was these kind of remote villages through the jungle. And I'm like, I can get us there and back and, and, and all these different things. Well, I got lost. And it's not great <laughs> to get lost in a very sort of jungly area of Mexico with a bunch of kids from Apple, from like the burbs, because those moms will kill you. And, uh, and, and, <laughs> and and so, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, um, so that rock is going to be my marker. Have you ever noticed that there are more rocks that look alike than don't look alike? Or that tree is my marker. Well, that tree looks like every other tree in this thing. And there's, I'm just, like, kind of panicking as we get into, like, 30 minutes and 45 minutes. And I feel like we're walking in circles. And, and, and God bless this ninth crater. And he goes, maybe you just need to get higher. 
I was like, that's not going to solve the problem, Jesse. He goes, no, 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 because if you get higher, you'll be able to see more. And I'm like, okay, fine. I mean, I'm, I'm all out of options. And so I leave the group. Again, not something moms from the suburbs want to know, that you left your kids, their kids in the jungle, and you went and climbed a big rock. Anyway, and so I, I leave Jesse in charge of all of our kids, all of our students, and I just I start climbing this really tall hill. And I feel like I've been crawling forever, and finally about the time, I'm like, I don't even know what this kid was taught, and I turn around, and all of a sudden, because my environment changed, my perspective changed. So I knew where we were, and because... I was higher, I could see where we'd come from. But more importantly, I could see where we needed to go. I will never meet with God the way that I need to meet with God. You will never meet with God the way that you need to meet with God as long as Facebook is open. You will never meet with God the way that you need to meet with God. And some of you are dealing with situations that are huge, and you need God to show up, but he will never show up as long as you're like this. Sometimes we just need to disconnect. Sometimes we need to change our perspective. Sometimes we need to get to an elevated place to see. It's, it's almost like when you look at a cross-stitching uh, if you know anybody who cross-stitches. Um, sometimes I think you and I, we live underneath the loom, if I can use that example. Have you ever seen Underneath the Loom? Like, it is nuts. It is chaos. It is, it, is, it is string and yarn and just discombobulation. If you are OCD, you hate life under the loom. And then your perspective changes and you look on top and you're like, oh. So that went there. God, that's why you brought me to this. God, that's why you took this. God, that's why you moved this because... God sees life above the loom. And as we're going to get into next week, God's answer is that as long as we're living life under the loom, there's this component of faith that has to be active in our lives. But unless there's this component of faith, life is just chaos. And life just sucks. And life is just difficult. Happy Father's Day. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in our lives. God, we, we thank God. It's, it's, it's so hard sometimes to thank you for difficulty. Because difficulty is difficult. Lord, would you just help us in moments where it seems to be overwhelming, when moments when it seems that everything is coming against us, in moments where it seems like everything, it, 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 the enemy is at our door, breaking in, taking ground in our lives, God. Father, would you just give us this, this inkling of faith to know that you're there and that your presence is with us and that you walk with us in the midst of the difficulty of our lives, in the midst of the trouble that, that you may bring into our lives to show us more about ourselves, to show us more about you, God, would you give us the faith to trust you even when we don't like you? God, would you help us? God, for situations and circumstances today that seem overwhelming, that seem unbearable, that seem to be too big, God, would you just breathe life into weary hearts 
Would you begin to speak truth into our ears, God, that your words, that you say you will never leave us nor forsake us? God, help us lean away from the, the fortune cookie Jesus and lean into the actual Jesus. who took the cross for us. Who went to the, the grave for us. God, would you, just, would you just help us today? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, next week... I'm not going to bum me out. So come back next week, and, it's, and we're going we're gonna to start landing this plane. But, dads, happy Father's Day. Make sure you don't leave without grabbing a cupcake. There is ice. Well, actually, Dad, would you do me a favor? I, shut up. Um, I talked to her about Would you bring Paula? Could you bring Paula in here? I already talked to her about this, so it's not a surprise. Um, so Paula is our wonderful, beautiful family.